Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Ephesians by looking at Ephesians chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read beginning in verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Here in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is kind of summarizing the point that he's been trying to get across in the first two chapters of this letter. He has mentioned that he has briefly revealed to them a mystery. This mystery is that all people, including Gentiles, have access to God through Christ. This wasn't always known to everyone in previous generations because they had lost sight of God's plan and his original purposes for choosing Israel as his people. Even as Paul reveals this mystery to the Christians in Ephesus, there were people who didn't know Jesus and needed to come to know him, and Paul is encouraging them in their faith, and he is 
letting them know in this section that they have access to the power that will make it possible for them to spread this message. Unfortunately, 2,000 years later, for far too many people, Jesus is still a mystery. As disciples of Christ who are members of churches, we should be convicted by this. Paul's point is that it is the function and purpose of churches to carry out the mission that Jesus started. Paul says here that God's wisdom is revealed through churches. But like the ancient Israelites, very often churches in our time have lost sight of their purpose. And they don't reveal the wisdom of God as much as they reveal their own selfishness and insecurities and fears. They assemble in the name of the Lord, but they live according to the patterns of this world. Paul saw this as a real problem in his time and offered encouragement to break free from those chains to humbly submit to God and his will. The wisdom of God that churches should be revealing is the plan that God has put in place from the beginning of time. There is wisdom in this plan, and when it's accurately lived out and communicated, that wisdom is evident. Think about the things that Paul has already told us in this letter. He's let us know that God is absolutely in control. Even if People are not submitting themselves to his will. He is still in control, and he's working in and through those circumstances. We've been told that God knows what's best for us. We don't always believe that. A lot of times we like to think that we know what we need most. But the reality is is that there is a higher power that created us and knows what we're designed for and knows the best things for us to get the most out of our life here and to be prepared for eternity with him. And Paul lets us know that a huge part of that is living out the purpose we were created for, and that is doing good works, doing good things. There is goodness that is intended to be perpetuated in this world, and it should come through God's people. And as Paul has written through these first three chapters, he has talked a lot about grace. A lot about God having done favors for us that enabled us to come to him and how we should be paying those favors forward, extending grace and mercy to others. Our takeaway from that should be to understand that service and love are more fulfilling than obtaining anything through fear or oppression. Very often when people are wanting to control other people and make sure they do the right thing, they do it through fear and oppression rather than extending grace and mercy. God's example has been to be gracious and merciful toward us, and he asked us to pay that forward to promote his plan, to advance his plan, and to reveal his wisdom in that plan. Paul even says here, you guys are worried about me and all that I'm suffering, and that's causing you hardship. Don't worry about me. What's going on with me is actually to your glory. Why does he say that? Paul's letting us know that sacrifice always trumps self-indulgence. Taking care of me is not nearly as important as doing my part to take care of the whole. When I do what is good for everyone, I benefit, and ultimately what is best for me is accomplished. Paul says all of this is unfolding according to God's eternal purpose. 
We talked about his purpose, his very being, and ultimately it is love. He created humankind to be able to give love and receive love. And he gives us that option to give and receive his love and pass that on to others. And when we're living out his plan, it's according to that purpose of love. Love is the reason and the motivator. It should be our lens that we look at the whole world. Very often when we talk about studying scripture, we talk about uh, hermeneutics. Uh, How do we understand scripture? What's the lens that we look at it through to help us understand what it's saying? And I think over and over again, the Bible calls us to use a hermeneutic of love, to use a lens of love to look at all that's being taught. It teaches us how to love better and how to understand when our behaviors aren't consistent with love so that we can make the necessary changes. Or better said, maybe uh, to allow God to make those changes in us. And as we get to the end of chapter 3, Paul says, for those who are living out this plan, who are a part of God's eternal purposes, we actually can be very bold and confident in the presence of God. Often there are those who are willing to pray to God, but they don't expect much to come from it. They do some of the things that God wants us to do, but they don't expect much benefit in the world. They just feel obligated to do it because God told them to. But Paul makes sure that his readers here know that all of this working out of God's plan and including them in it and calling them to certain responsibilities comes with a promise of power that you can be bold and confident in doing that, not because of the ability you have, but because of the work that you've already seen done by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the work that they continue to do in your life. The Father has put this plan in place and has been working in a variety of ways to bring this plan to fulfillment, and he's given us a spirit that strengthens our inner selves so that Christ can dwell in us. Remember what Paul said in verses 14 through 17. He says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant to you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, Christ cannot dwell in us. Our heart must be prepared for him to dwell in us. Very often, Christ's presence is not evident in the lives of people who claim to follow him, and it's because the heart has not been prepared by the Spirit for him to dwell there. There is an acknowledgment that they need Jesus, but they've not surrendered their heart to be transformed in a way that allows Jesus to live through them. And once the Christ is there, once the Messiah is in our hearts, he roots us and grounds us in love. Another piece of evidence to whether or not we've wholly submitted ourselves to God's plan is, are we growing in love? Because Christ in our hearts grounds us firmly in love, roots us there, takes root. That's where we're getting our nourishment is through love. And in that, we are able to understand how much God loves us. 
I think one of the things that gets in the way of us responding to God appropriately is not fully grasping how deep and wide the love of God is, how all-encompassing it is, and the effect that it will have on our lives if we embrace it. Also, being rooted and grounded in love will help us to come to understand that love is greater than knowing anything else. I think often when we read this passage, we're tempted to look at it and say that there's a way to know the love of Christ that we can't fully understand. That would be Paul contradicting himself within the same sentence. Paul is writing to a group of people in the ancient world who thought knowledge trumped everything. If I know enough stuff, if, if you give me enough information, that is more important than anything else. The knowing is important. I, I meet a lot of people that seem to think that way now. Hey, if I can just have all the details and you can tell me all the motivations and all the behavior, if I can know everything, then I have this way of controlling and feeling safe. But what Paul says here is having Christ love, coming to know the love of Christ is superior to knowing things. Now, that's not an excuse not to know things. Knowing things is very important. Being able to accurately communicate the knowledge you have is very important. But even more important than knowing facts is knowing the love of God. Very often Christians are guilty of arguing with people based on their understanding of the facts. And that if you would just listen and be reasonable, you would be a Christian too. Paul says something even greater than that, greater than debating the rightness of your position, is experiencing the love of Christ and passing that on. And a third thing that Paul lets us know that being rooted and grounded in love will do for us is that it will fill us up with God. I can't imagine a more amazing thing to be able to experience and to express to others that I'm filled up with God. And for those of us who think that that's a little difficult to imagine, that's a little difficult uh, to wrap my head around or think is even possible, Paul goes on to say that God does this because he's capable of giving you more than you can ask or imagine, more than you can ask or think about. So if God is willing to give us more than we ask or imagine, why don't we ask? Unfortunately, I think very often we don't ask these things because we don't want the responsibility that comes with it. As Paul ends his letter to the Ephesian church, he's going to outline some virtues and character traits that are important to embrace and embody in the Christian life so that God's plan and his wisdom are evident in the church. We'd rather make excuses about why we can't achieve those things than embrace the power of God in our lives and let him achieve them for us. It's time for us to start letting God do more than we can ask or imagine. Even if we don't know where that's going to lead or what all we'll have to do, we have to trust God that that is the best thing for our lives. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. 
You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 